You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shot good snap, Garoppolo's throwing to Adams, on a slam, catches it at the goal line, leads in, touchdown Raiders! Devontae Adams cut out left and then back inside, and Jimmy G hit him on a strike to make this game 23-13 with 5.41 to go. This is Unnecessary Roughness, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We come into the sounds of Devontae Adams and his second touchdown of the game that was had on Sunday Night Football and the Raiders' 23-18 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll tell you right now, you go back and look at the replay. And myself and JT, we did the Raider Roundtable earlier today, so we went through a bunch of the highlights from the game. And obviously, Devontae was involved in a bunch of the highlights as he had a monster game. Just looking at the route he ran, the way he ran it, it was just such a short route. But the wiggle that he had at the top of the route, the way he turned around and made himself available for Jimmy G, just lets you know why he's such a stinking good wide receiver. Like, he is so damn good. And it's just little small details like that and just making himself available in the red zone, which goes back to, you know, conversations that we've had about the red zone and the Raiders' struggles in the red zone. When you have a guy like Devontae, it seems like there's nothing you can't do. So the Raiders have got to find a way to be able to be more productive in the red zone and stop me if we've heard that conversation before but this is unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920 my man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio I'm in the home studio we like to call it Studio Q and of course it's being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas and we had a lot of woosaw on Monday's show as we were at the Oyo Hotel and Casino the Underground Lounge many thanks to everybody who came out and checked out the newly renovated Oyo that place I mean man oh man been going there for a couple seasons and this is the first time we actually got inside the underground lounge in, in the third season. That place, it, I mean, if whew, it was like it just looked completely different, right, compared to what I've seen the last two seasons, the way that they really invested in it and made sure that it was up to date and looking the way it should look, uh, you know, compared to other properties around the city and around the area. They did a phenomenal job. So hats off to the Oyo for what they did and looking forward to being at the underground lounge each and every Monday for Monday Night Football. But do appreciate everyone who came out. Uh, there was plenty of people who did, uh, including our guy Ruben in Las Vegas, who actually won tickets to the uh, to the game, won that from the Ultimate Raider hookup that we had going on, the contest we had going on in the radio station, so I was able to meet him. That was really cool. So definitely appreciate everybody who came out and said what's up, whether you hung out for three minutes, 33 minutes, or, or even the whole three hours. It was a good time to have a good time at the Oyo Underground Lounge for Monday Night Football. But after we did all our woosah, Got all the bad feelings out, right? It's like, it's like a cleanse, a body cleanse. You got all the toxins out uh, from the game on Sunday. You did that on Monday. Now it's time to start turning the page, right? I mean, of course, uh, we'll, full, we'll full go full blow on, on uh, you know, turning the page on Wednesday as we start really turning our attention to the L.A. Chargers. But uh, today it's, it's more of, uh, okay, let's talk about this team. Let's talk about the direction they're going. Let's talk about what they need to do better this week. And we'll do that with some of our good guests that we have on the show. We'll get to some more locker room. Sound. That's kind of how we'll we'll finish, you know, putting a bow on this game, this Sunday night football primetime action. We didn't get very much locker room sound, and that's shame on me. That's my fault. I got caught up in in too many phone calls and letting the the calls go a little bit longer than they should have. Couple a couple of Raider Nation, I ain't mad at you. A couple of you uh, could have done your own show yesterday. <laughs> 
So we'll uh, we'll try to we'll try to tighten that up a little bit. Want to make sure that we hear from guys like Max Crosby, guys like Divine Diablo, Josh Jacobs, Robert Spillane, Jacoby Myers. All that we were able to collect in the Raiders locker room. And again, that's why we're there. We're there to go and make sure we're covering the pregame show, cover the game with like a glove, and then get into the locker room and get that postgame audio. And so that was a really good day for audio, even though the subjects weren't great, uh, but the conversation with the different players was. So uh, we'll get a lot more of that sound in on today's show. But as far as guests that we have coming up today at 2.30, Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station as well, ESPN Las Vegas. He'll join us to talk all things silver and black, talk about you know the potential of Jimmy G being out this week, talk about what he saw on Sunday night. And Adam Hill, I really enjoy him being on the show because I know that he's going to give it to you real. He's not looking at it through silver and black glasses. Uh, He doesn't work for the team. He covers the team. And he's very honest and open about his opinion. Some people like it. Some people hate it. But uh, either way, Adam Hill, uh, he always does a hell of a job. And so I appreciate his uh, open honesty and his realism about the silver and black. So he'll join us at 2.30 again representing the Las Vegas Review Journal and, of course, our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and company at 3.30. Another guy that keeps it all the way real, Lincoln Kennedy, (laughs) former Raiders offensive lineman. Of course, he's part of the the radio broadcast, Uh, him. Uh, JT and myself, we all did the the Raider Roundtable earlier today. Uh, Really good conversation, and there were some really good nuggets that I took away from the conversation with Lincoln from earlier, so I look forward to talking to him for a second time today. And, uh, yeah, that's that's always a good conversation because, again, Lincoln will not pull any punches. Uh, he'll, He'll keep it real. Uh, he'll give you his thoughts on, on the way that the game shook out, you know, moments in the game where we may have questions about it. He'll break it down and let us know exactly why certain plays played out the way they did. And even the, uh, the, the running game, why has the running game not got going yet, right? The offensive line has a lot to do with it. The running back has a lot to do with it. But uh, Lincoln Kennedy will break that down. So look forward to talking to him coming up at 3.30. Then at 4.30, Coronado head football coach Sean Dupree will join the show. Tom Flores, high school football coach of the week award recipient. And it's funny, we had the Shadow Ridge head football coach on last week, right? He won the Tom Flores high school football coach of the, the week award. And the next game up for Shadow Ridge was Coronado. And I remember asking Coach at the end of the interview last week, all right, next week is Coronado, or this upcoming Friday is Coronado. They're a team that's not where they need to be. They have a new coach. They're trying to get things turned around. How important is it you coming off this big win to make sure you stay focused and not drop one to Coronado? And he's like, man, that's the thing I've been stressing to the kids all week long. Well, guess what? They dropped it to Coronado, (laughs) right? 28-14, Coronado picked up the victory over Shadow Ridge that was coming off a big win over Desert Pines. And, you know, for anyone who may be outside of the area, you might not understand, but Desert Pines is a big-time program. And Shadow Ridge knocked him off. And for Coronado, who's trying to basically rebuild the program to go and knock off uh, Shadow Ridge, it did it pretty easily, right? They got out to a 20 to nothing uh, lead. Uh, that was a big deal. So, uh, yeah, Coronado head football coach Sean Dupree, he was in Vegas. He went away to Reno, and this is his first year back in Vegas area, uh, cover- and not covering, but coaching Coronado up. So uh, that should be a good conversation. He is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week recipient, and he'll join the show coming up at 4.30. So those are the guests that we have live on the show. Adam Hill at 2.30, Lincoln Kennedy at 3.30, and Coronado head football coach Sean Dupree at 4.30. We're also going to hear from Devon Diablo. I had an opportunity to catch up with him one-on-one in the Raider locker room following the game. Uh, Max Crosby didn't get him yesterday. Josh Jacobs, you'll hear him. Robert Spillane and Jacoby Myers. All those guys will be sprinkled into the show. At least we'll try to get all those guys sprinkled into the show between now and 5 o'clock when we sign off. But it's a good day to have a good day. It's Tuesday. Again, we got all the toxins out of our system. All the, you know, the anger, all the venom, all that stuff is 
what I feel like should be out of your system by now after the way we had the show yesterday where it was basically like a town square meeting and just go ahead and sign off, sign off right? Sound off. And that's what it was. So uh, we're back at it today. Very excited about the opportunity to be with you for the next couple hours here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Again, my man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. So I think a real easy question for this Tuesday. You know, and again, we'll start really turning the page, deep diving into the L.A. Chargers on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll start focusing in, get guests on the show talking about the Chargers and what to expect as the Raiders travel to SoFi. Even though it's going to be a home-away-from-home experience, they're still on the road for the third out of fourth games uh, in, in, in the 2023 season. So I think this is a real good, easy question for today. It's gut check time as far as I'm concerned. The Raiders have lost two games in a row. They need to find a way to stop the bleeding. I, I can accept the Buffalo Bills loss, even though it was a whooping. I can accept it because, well, it was Buffalo. It was a season home opener. They had just got embarrassed by the Jets on Monday Night Football. They're a team that's expected to make a deep playoff run. So I can accept that loss. But the loss against the Steelers, again, it was ugly. It wouldn't have been nothing that nobody was bragging about, saying that it was pleasing to the eyes, right? It was a sexy win. It, was, it would not have been that, but it should have been a win as far as I'm concerned. It could have been a win. Things had to go right for the Raiders. They had to have, have a few moments of, uh, you know, making plays. Marcus Peters, I talked about it quite a bit on, uh, on Monday. He needs to make that interception. I'm sorry there's no, well, he'll get it next time. No, that's a, that's a game-changing moment, right? And he gets beat. The safeties get beat deep down the middle of the field. That can't happen. Miscommunication there, right? The goal line uh, at the end of the game, regardless how you feel about it, right? I mean, I'm sure that could have been handled differently, there's a handful of plays, and it's so funny. It goes back to what high school football coaches have told me, college football coaches have told me, and NFL coaches have told me. Q, it goes back to a handful of plays every game that's going to determine if you win or lose. It's that simple. And the Raiders had a handful of plays that could have changed the outcome of the game for them on Sunday night football. But that's in the past, so you look forward and you try to improve. So it's gut check time. So what is it that the Raiders need to do? What do they have to do as a team, not as the coaching staff? I want to focus on the players. Coaches coach, players play. That's what Lincoln Kennedy always tells us, and he'll talk to us about that at 3.30. Coaches coach, players play. I'm not saying the coaches don't have any responsibility because they do. They've got to put the team in the best position to succeed. But with that being said, what do the players need to do? What do the team need to do to get things corrected? From what you've seen through three weeks, less than 20 points have scored all three games, and they've lost the last two out of three. What is the, where, is, where, where is the correction? What do they have to do to get this thing turned around and realize that they need to trend in the right direction and do the opposite of what lost them the last two games? Right? How do they get that turned around? Again, I, I, I know they'll be focused on the coaches. That's fine. But the players also got to go out there and do what they do. Right? Coach McDaniels has got to do a better job putting them in his position. Coach Graham has to do a better job. Coach Lombardi, both those guys talked today. I get that. So, I mean, you could include them in the answer. But as a team, as 11 dudes that are out there on the field, what do they need to do as a collective unit to get this thing turned around, show a sense of pride? I'll say they need to get angry. First, first thing, I think they need to get angry and not a reckless anger. I think that they need to get angry in the fact that, hey, we are better than this, and this is the team talking, not me. We're better than this. We've go we're going to put our best foot forward. And similar to what Max Crosby told me in the locker room, we have to finish plays 
and have everybody doing the right thing and everybody bought in. And if everybody in that locker room is not doing that, then they need to be checked, right? They need to, they need to figure out why. I think that's where it starts. First and foremost, I think the leaders in that locker room need to get together with the players. I'm not saying they have to call a player-only meeting. I'm not saying that, right? You can only do that like once or twice a season, and then that's a wrap. But they need to start showing you know, th- that leadership and saying, hey, let's go. We need to get to – it starts on the practice field. Or like Max said on, on Sunday, it starts recovery right after the game, taking care of your body, doing the right things. They need to go and do all the right things to put themselves in the best position to succeed and win. This game coming up on Sunday is going to be tough. The Chargers are not going to be easy. They do score a lot of points. The defense is going to have to play a lot better. The offense is going to have to execute a lot better. But I think that, again, they need to check themselves you know, and check each other. And those leaders, and when I'm talking about leaders, I'm talking about Max. I'm talking about Josh. I'm talking about Devontae, right? Guys like that. You know, there's a question of who's going to be the quarterback. That's another subject. Is it going to be Jimmy? Is it going to be Brian? Is it going to be Aiden? Right? Nobody knows at this point. So it needs to, you know, it, it needs to start with those guys, the leadership. Last year when the running game wasn't going, what did Josh Jacobs do? He, goes, he went to all the offensive linemen and said, hey, we'll figure it out. I got you guys. Don't worry. I got you guys. He needs to do that again and get them all on the same page so he can get on the same page with them, right? One thing that Lincoln Kennedy told us in the roundtable today, the offensive line is not physical enough, and he's talking about the interior, the guards in the center, you know, uh, Parham, James, Van Roten. Those guys aren't playing physical enough, and Van Roten, he still feels playing too high. He's too tall to play as high as he's playing. He's getting guys underneath him. So the physicality in the trenches needs to be there, offensive line and defensive line. But if you're trying to get the run game going, which I believe needs to be established, Two games ago, <laughs> I believe that they've got to get more physical, just like Lincoln Kennedy pointed out. I mean, look, if a guy that played the position at a high level speaks and points something out, you'd be a fool not to listen to him. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, that's, just, that's just foolish. And I know people do that. People do that in our profession. We try to tell them and give them tips, like, hey, this is a better way to do this. Been doing it for a long time. It could help you. Nah, I'm better. I know what I'm doing. All right. But if Lincoln Kennedy, again, who's done it at a very high level, can recognize that that interior of that offensive line is not physical enough, they're not playing physical enough, then they need to do something about that. And Van Roten needs to not play so high. But that was just a couple of little nuggets that I have. But I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com text line. Got a ton of texts coming in already. 69187, keyword R&R. Let's start in Henderson, my guy, Raider Ken. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Ken? Hey, what's up, Q? How you doing? I'm blessed, brother. All right. Uh, let's, you were saying, like, what's the main reason uh, – like what do we got to fix? Uh, yeah, what, is, what does the team? I, what does the team need to do, man? How do they right. get things I, I corrected? Think, yeah, I mean, I think you got to start with the running game. I'm, when Garoppolo's handing off the ball, you got two defenders already in the backfield, and there's yeah. no holes for Jacob. Right. I think that's that's obvious. It starts there with the running game, and then they got to respect the pass. And then the second thing is, Jimmy's got to stop turning the ball over. Some of his interceptions. We're just brutal. Yeah. I, it's just, I can't believe how bad, like, what is he seeing? And then he's throwing up uh, to Devontae Adams and when he's almost getting him killed. And I don't know what he's seeing. Is he just, like, I, I thought he was better in the pocket than Carr, but, and he looked like it in week one. But right. ever since that game, you get a little pressure and he's just, he won't take a sack. Yeah, you know, he's, a little, he's, he's a little jittery. He wants to get... Exactly. He just wants to get the ball away. And it's just, I wonder if it's just getting used to McDaniel's uh, playbook or like, I, like, I'm just, I can't, I'm shocked about Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Uh, I, go ahead. Yeah, one one other thing. Uh, great. I just got done listening to uh, the roundtable with JT. Yeah. You and JT. Um, and then JT mentioned uh, the Tyree Wilson's uh, struggling in his thir- third game. Yeah. Because uh, he didn't, and he said he didn't go against like the best left tackles in college. I don't watch college. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, why would if Ziegler know that knows that like he's not going against the best and he's injured and he's known for being slow off the ball in college? I was just wondering, like, what. Like, what did Ziegler see in him to draft him that high? All right, Q, thanks. Hey, great question. Great question. That's Raider Ken right there. And Henderson, good call as a matter of fact. And, yeah, that was something that was pointed out. And I knew this as well when it came to going up against talent. I mean, because, I, look, I covered the Big 12 like a glove. Tyree Wilson comes from the Big 12. And it's funny, uh, the whole time that I was covering the Big 12 when I was in Central Texas and, and was covering Baylor, we never said that that conference was known for their defensive players, right? I mean, the Big 12, and Ken, like you said, you don't watch college football. Just to put you up on game, the, the Big 12 is like basketball on grass for a lot of programs, right? Oklahoma, they put up crazy numbers offensively. UT, they put up crazy numbers offensively. Baylor, at one point, was putting up crazy numbers offensively. Texas Tech, uh, crazy numbers offensively. Like, there's a theme here, if you, you catch what I'm saying. There's not a whole lot of big-time defensive players Coming out of text or coming out of uh, the Big Twelve, which is funny because the Raiders currently have two players that were drafted very high from the Big Twelve: one in Trayvon Merrick coming from TCU, and another in Tyree Wilson coming from Texas Tech. Now, in TCU's, uh, you know, in, in their their uh, you know their view, they had Gary Patterson coaching their their team, and Gary Patterson is a defensive minded coach, so he does have the wherewithal to to find guys that are really good defensive players. It just doesn't happen a lot. Now, there's guys throughout the course of the league that you can find that will scatter shoot that came from the Big 12 that are defensive players that are really good. But it's just not, it's just not a ton of them, right? And so that's the thing that you got to think about when you think about the, uh, you know, the conference. It's funny uh, that one of the interceptions that happened to Jimmy G against Buffalo came from Terrell Bernard, who was a linebacker there at Baylor, and he was a hell of a player. He was a really good linebacker uh, there at, at Baylor. And, well, he had an interception against Jimmy G and had an interception this past week against Washington as well. He's a hell of a player to watch out for. There are good players. I don't want to make it seem like there's no good defensive players out of the Big 12, but when Lincoln said that they didn't play up against the best left tackles, uh, a lot of times in the Big 12 you don't have to play against the best left tackles because uh, the, the quarterback gets their hands, the, the ball out of their hands so quickly that that left tackle doesn't have to be an absolute monster. If, if, if that makes sense. So, uh, again, I think Tyree has a lot of upside. I really do. But the problem is is that, you know, now the Raiders need him really badly and they're not seeing him, right? And so you're, and then you're seeing all these other rookies around the league playing really uh, well, playing at a high level, and everyone's looking like, yeah, could have had that guy. Yep, could have had that guy. And that's easy to do right now while he's not producing. So that's the unfortunate part about it. But, you know, the guy gets healthy. Uh, I think that he's going to show why Dave Ziegler drafted him. But, you know, three games in, you just kind of have to, unfortunately, ride the wave and wait for Tyree to catch up, uh, you know, and and get his uh, legs under him as far as NFL action goes. But thank you so much for that call, Raider Ken. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, the run game is one of the biggest things I'd focus in on as well. They've got to establish the run. If they can't establish the run, they're not going to – they're not going to make it through the course of the season. They've got to be able to do what they do best, which is run the rock. Uh, Raider T, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Raider T? Hey, Q, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, I want to answer your question about what they need to fix. But first, um, 
I think one of the goals for this season should be if um, Jimmy G can't play, mm-hmm. I want to see uh, O'Connell play as much as possible because okay. next year's draft, there's potentially five or six quarterbacks who could be elite-level quarterbacks, and I need to know this year, is O'Connell going to be uh, not just a starting-caliber quarterback but somebody special? And if he is, great. And if he's not, we need to get one because the, the caliber of quarterback coming out, you don't see that every year, and it might be our only opportunity in a long time to get one of those guys. That's a good All point. Right. Um, hey, on to your question, there's a there's a laundry list of things <laughs> they have to fix, you know. Um, but the thing that I'm focused on right now that kind of stood out to me, and is a reason why I called, uh, JT brought it up at the very end of his show. In three weeks in a row, we've had major stars uh, get put in the uh, concussion protocol because guys are headhunting us, and we're not doing anything about it, right? Um, Jacoby Myers, week one. Devontae, week two. Garoppolo, week three. And that goes to the toughness and intimidation. And we don't have those players anymore. Back in the day, you knew that the Raiders were going to be the tougher team. They were going to intimidate the other team. And they don't have guys like that right now, or not enough of them. Let's just say that. And um, if they're taking shots on your guys and they know nobody's going to come for payback, they're going to keep doing that until somebody puts their foot down. Um, and I'm not saying um, you're supposed to um, knock guys out, put them in the hospital. But at the very least, the other team needs to know, if you come after our stars, our quarterback, we're going to come after your star, your quarterback. Um, and it just it can't be allowed any longer. You have to have guys that care and have some respect for themselves as professionals and go get it and knock the dudes out if they have to. Um, so that's the thing that's concerning to me. Is it, just, it just bothers me. Um, that's one of the things the Raiders have always been known for. It, it goes side and side with their identity, and they don't have anybody out there that's going to lay the wood on people. Yeah. It's just, uh, I, that's something that, whether you call it heart, whatever you want to call it. I like physicality. Yeah. Physicality. Yep. Um, that, exactly. Uh, Lincoln talked about that. On yep. the O-line, the D-line, whether it's the safety. Like, look at Merrick. If he's not going to intercept the ball, I want to see him lay somebody out if they come over the middle. And if he's not, then he needs to be replaced. Put Paul Marlow in there or trade for players. But you can't just allow – you just can't have guys. We need to have better players in the defense for sure. So it's just – it's frustrating. What do you think? Yeah, no, good stuff, good stuff. And yeah, I think physicality is, is, a, is a big deal. Again, don't want to be malicious and hurt anybody, but I think the physicality is important. Uh, I think that you're spot on with that, and that is an identity of the Raiders. That was an old-school identity of the Raiders, but uh, it, could, it could be true now. It should be true, right? They should uh, make it very tough for guys to, uh, you know, run across the middle, guys to do the, the, the crossing patterns, and, and these guys are just kind of running free. You know, it looks almost like seven-on-seven seven at times, and that's something that has to be switched up. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you, and I understand the thoughts on the quarterback position because the next year's draft, and I know we say this a lot, next year's draft looks like it does have a good handful of quarterbacks that are going to be really good, so you might want to know exactly what you have in Aiden O'Connell before you move forward. So that's that's a good thought as well. So Raider T, thanks so much for that call. Got a text from the 239. 
69187, keyword R&R. Khalil Mack didn't play strong competition when he was in college. I think the competition argument is overrated. If that was the case, then all of Clemson and Alabama players that grew and Mayock drafted would have worked out. Alex Leatherwood played at Alabama. That's from the 239. Yeah, thanks for the text. I appreciate you. And I'm not saying that you have to come from the SEC or the ACC. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying as a guy that covered the Big 12, not everybody looked at the defensive players and was like, oh, man, this is going to be a great defensive player out of the Big 12 because it's more known for its offensive players. That's all I'm saying. And I know that there's great players in the league that came out of the Big 12. Not saying that either. But in Tyree's case, what Lincoln was saying about the left tackle or the competition he played against at Texas Tech, he wasn't going up against elite left tackles at that time. And the reason is, if you go back and look at the style, and this is all I'm saying as a guy that covered the league, as a, uh, if you go back and look at the style of the Big 12, the way that they schemed things up, there was times when I was at Baylor, no BS, there was times when I was there that guys would run routes and then the other side of the field wouldn't even move. They would stand there and not even move because, well, they're not involved in this play because all they did is look over to the sideline, look over to the board, you know, and whatever it was, Donald Duck or it was Mickey Mouse or whatever or, you know, whatever the case may be, a picture of something, and half the field would run and the other half wouldn't. And that's not for every school, but that's what it was at times. So what they do is they scheme it up so quickly that a lot of times these guys aren't able to, you know, the, the, the penetration isn't there all the time. You know, and, and there was a guy, and I forget his name now, and shame on me for that, there was a guy that came from Baylor that won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, um, James Lynch. There it is, James Lynch. And he ended up going in the fourth round in Minnesota, and he's done absolutely nothing since he's been in the league. And I think that he was a really good player. He was fantastic. He had about 10 sacks one year. And he's just has done nothing in the NFL. Sometimes it's just really hard to translate from college to the to the uh, to to the National Football League. And there are players that are really stinking good, like you mentioned, Khalil Mack. He came from Buffalo, so you know that competition wasn't super high. But he was a damn good player that just kind of fell through the cracks. So yeah, I mean, there's always going to be cases. But to Lincoln's credit, and, and to what we were saying about the you know, about the, the, the left tackles and some of the competition in the Big 12, it just wasn't there. And that doesn't mean that Tyree's not going to be a good player because I think he is. And he was coached by Joey McGuire, who I know personally. And I know Joey McGuire ain't going to take no, no guys who, who can't go play. Uh, that's, that's a fact. Joey McGuire is a hell – and he's a, he's a defensive-minded coach. So I know that he recognizes really good defensive talent. Tyree's just got to get healthy. And he's got to go out there and, and, and learn and get comfortable in what he's doing. And then he'll be fine. 226 is the time. I do believe he'll be fine. 226 is the time. 69187, keyword R&R. Keep that feedback coming. Adam Hill from the RJ and the ESPN Las Vegas joins us next. Serena Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com. 
Always trust the process. Always trust the process. Find ways to practice it. Find ways to, you know, to measure it. You know, just practicing the habits. Making sure that, you know, we're trying to attack the ball and just always, you know, really, just really stick with the process and, you know, make tweaks where you can make tweaks to see if we can get more opportunities, but just keep grinding away at it. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. As we come back, you hear defensive coordinator Patrick Graham talking about creating chaos and turnovers and what they have to do. A lot of the process, the process, the process. Football fans never want to hear about the process. That goes for college, the NFL, it doesn't matter. No one wants to hear about the process, but the process is a thing. This is Unnecessary Rough. This here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Uh, my man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. And the man that asked Patrick Graham about that question of creating chaos and turnovers is joining us now on the phone lines. That's our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. And Adam, what do you think of Patrick Graham's answer on trying to create chaos and create turnovers? Look, it's – I know nobody wants to hear trust the process. It's never it's never what people want to hear when it's not working for sure. Um, but it's really hard to find answers, right? I mean, what answer do you want? Nate Hobbs said just trust the football gods. Like, I don't think that's the answer you want either. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, they've got to find a way, right? I mean, they've got to figure it out. They talked so much about it during the off season. They talked about how much they want to create chaos, create turnovers, how important that was. And, you know, they're one of two teams that – haven't forced a turnover through three games, and they could historic in going four games without forcing a turnover if they do it on if they go through it on Sunday. So um, it's an issue for sure, and I think a lot of people are starting to wonder were all those turnovers in training camp because the offense was turning the ball over so much, which we've already seen through three games. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And what do you think is the biggest disconnect when it comes from not being able to create turnovers? Hell, we saw Marcus Peters put a pick six on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that was a big one, for sure. There's no question. But I think it starts up front, right? I mean, they are they are 14th in blitz rate, so they're blitzing above league average uh, amount of times, and they're 30th in generating pressure. Like, those two don't add up. That means you're sending extra defenders that could have been in coverage there. So now you've got uh, one less guy or two less guys to cover pressure on the quarterback. Like, that can't continue. It can't happen. Um, and so I think a big factor in the fact that they can't create turnovers is they can't get pressure on the quarterback, and they really only only got one guy capable of doing that in Max Crosby. Now, I will say, uh, Malcolm Kuntz looked pretty good last week. I mean, he did get hurt, um, but if you look look back and uh, look at his pass rush win rate, you watch the film and see that he was getting to the quarterback a little bit, like, he was doing some work. So I think that's encouraging, uh, but they have a first-round pick that has not been encouraging and has not been doing anything. Uh, and I think that's a big issue. Like, they've got to find a way to get to quarterbacks. Because if they don't, they're going to continue to get shredded defensively and not put them in position to, you know, panic and turn the ball over. Let's talk about Tyree Wilson. We were just talking about him before we got you on, on the air and, and the fact that he hasn't got going yet. Uh, is it just the fact that he's, you know, missed a lot of training camp, he's coming back from injury? What do you think the biggest reason for his uh, slow, slow progress out the gates is so far? I mean, all of the above, uh, you know, I, I think – Yes, the fact that he didn't have an off season, I don't. I don't think it's an excuse. I don't think, you know, you say, "Hey, well, he didn't have an off season; he'll be fine." Like I don't think it's 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 that easy. Mm-hmm. But it is absolutely a reason, right? I mean, this is a guy that is trying to get up to NFL speed, didn't have any off season whatsoever, 
and not not just was it on the field. It's not like a contract holdout. He can hold up, you know, he can work out on the side and stay healthy and stay in shape. Like he wasn't able to do anything. That foot was a real issue throughout the entire draft process, throughout the entire off season. So yes, it's been an issue, but it's and it's also look, it is way too early. I've I've seen some people that were against Tyree Wilson in the draft, kind of doing victory laps. Um, I, I think it's way too early for that. I don't think you really have any anywhere close to a finished product. But, you know, going into the draft, I thought the, the potential uh, of anybody in the top ten, the biggest potential for anybody to not work out at this level was Tyree Wilson. And uh, I think that there's a lot of people that felt that same way, and they're starting to see reasons why now. Um, but let's also, again, not forget, it's three games. He didn't have an offseason. He was just sick last week, too which is why he was only able to play 11 snaps uh, during uh, last week's game after not being able to practice all week. So there are a lot of factors that are weighing into this, but it is a concerning start, I think. Adam Hills, our guest from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and, of course, our sister station as well, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. Patrick Graham, he was on the sideline. He's in the booth now. I know you asked him a funny question about how many Cokes he has during a, a game while he's in the booth, but what do you think the significance is for him to go? Like, it, What kind of changes from him going to the side, from the sideline to the booth is there? Well, was it working? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is it working now? <laughs> I know, but, I mean, why? you can't. You know, they say that the what the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. Like, I mean, why not? Uh, do I think it matters? Not really. Um, I do think there's some differences. You, know, you can see some different things up in the booth that you don't see on the field. And uh, conversely, you, can, you can't relate to the players necessarily as much when you're up in the booth as you are on the field. You can talk to them and see what's going on with them. And um, so I think there's, there's pros and cons to both. I don't know which is better. Um, I don't know that there's a study on, you know, coordinators in the booth versus on the field and how their performance goes and everything like that. But I do think that there is, you know, <laughs> there there was there was some changes that were needed. And if it's something that small, then why not? You know, give it a try. And I, I guess you can see maybe five, six, seven games in how you think it's going and, and make an assessment then. But um, the status quo isn't working, so change it up. Do you feel like there's any more heat on Patrick Graham now that they've made the move? I don't think it has anything to do with the move. Um, I would say, you know, look at look at the structure of the organization, right? Um, a lot of people have worked together for a long time and are friends outside of the building. Not that Patrick Graham is not friends with all of them outside the building, but, you know, they're all incredibly close. Uh, they all kind of came in here together, and Patrick Graham was brought in from somewhere else. Uh, so, you know, if there is somebody that has to go, if there's a scapegoat at some point, I think it's probably the most likely person, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think anybody could look at that from the outside, and I'm sure Patrick Graham thinks the same thing. Um, I, I don't think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler are firing themselves. Right. Uh, so right. at some point, is, is there a hot seat on Patrick Graham? I would say probably. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It really does. And when they moved him to the booth, I thought, okay, there's a little bit more attention being put on him. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll just see if this defense can get turned around because consistently it needs to, and the offense needs to play better uh, as well. Again, we're talking with Adam Hill here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You're a, a big guy in, into analytics and everything. Like, you you know, you study the numbers. You know the numbers. What did you think of the fourth down decision, not once but twice by Coach McDaniels to kick the field goal? I thought you were going to ask about the other fourth down decision um, that another coach made that the Raiders are playing this week. Right. Uh, That's another one. We can ask about that one, too, Brandon Staley. <laughs> uh, look, I 
it's not a decision I would have made. <laughs> right. It's certainly not a decision I would have made. And I think, you know, it's it's very tough in the moment um, to do that. Like, I I also heard people saying, look, if you're if you kicked, you took the points off the board earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So you made the field goal. There was a penalty. You kept the offense on the field. If you were gonna go with this strategy, why not just do it then? Right. Like three points, you had you know two more minutes on the clock. It gives you a little bit more time to get a stop and get the ball back and score that touchdown and take the lead. You know, thought process. I think once you had the chance to go get a first down, I think you had to go do that. But um, look, you need you need a touchdown. There's no guarantee at all you're gonna get the ball back. I know that the defense was playing better at that point, but you're putting a lot of faith in a defense to make a stop on a three and out when a team just has to get 10 yards to win. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the like the very simple ways to put it, because I am very much into the numbers and crunching them and figuring out what best win probability is and those sorts of things, but there's also a, a thought process of what do you think the defense wanted them to do? And I guarantee you when the Raiders sent a field goal unit out there, the Steelers were doing jumping jacks. And, or, excuse, jumping, they were doing cartwheels and yeah. celebrating in every way of like, oh, my gosh, they're kicking it. This is awesome. And and I, there is that little element of, hey, if the, the defense is going to be thrilled that you're doing this. Like, why are you doing it? Right. No, that's a great – I hadn't thought about it like that. That's a really good point. I guarantee the Steelers were relieved when they decided to kick the field goal not once but twice. <laughs> right? So that's – yeah, no, that's that's a great point. See, that's why we have you on the show. Adam Hill, again, from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas, dropping nuggets on us like that and gems on us. So we found out on Monday as well, Jimmy G is at a concussion protocol. If he can't go, and I'm not saying he's not going to go, but if he can't go this week, is Adam Hill going with Brian Hoyer or is he going with Aiden O'Connell? Well, it's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I what is the What is the goal of the season? Because I'm still in the – I've still been, as you, as you know, from the before the season, it's tank mode. Like, that, that's where I've always been. Um, so I, I, I think Brian Hoyer probably gives you a better chance to win this week. Um, but I would probably play Aiden O'Connell for multiple reasons. One, I don't want to win. Uh, two, uh, I, I think you, you have to figure it out, right? Is Aiden O'Connell something? Right. Is he something? Um, or, or is it – like, is he potentially the answer – where if you do have a terrible season and you are in a position to take a quarterback, do you have to take one, or do you potentially have the guy in the building? Um, I don't necessarily think he is the guy, right? but you, I don't know that. Nobody knows that. And I, I, I think I would hate to get to a season with so many great quarterbacks in a draft and not have any idea about the quarterback I already have in the building who's a rookie. Like, I'd want to know something about him. I want to know how he reacts in a game situation. I, I took absolutely zero from the preseason i know people freaked out about how good it was but um look there's a lot of things that were good in preseason that have been good in the season i take nothing from that but i i do want to find out what he has so i would i would play no call you were in the raiders locker room i was in the raiders locker room following the game we heard what Devonte adams had to say uh you know in, in a nutshell he doesn't have time to try to figure things out he wants to figure it out right away why is the offense not clicking outside of him and jacoby myers I mean, it's a good question. They, they has been decent, um, and and I I do think it's been decent. Look, you've you've turned the ball over seven times, right? Uh, six times in the last two weeks, and you're only two in those games. Yeah. Uh, the one game that you limited yourself to one turnover, you won. Um, 
so in it, yeah, yes, it's Denver. We've seen what's happened to Denver, but right. um, I, I don't think I don't think it's a disaster offensively by any stretch. Um, they certainly have to get rid of the turnovers. They probably want to start running the ball better. Although I've never been a believer in running the ball, but um, they pr- that is kind of what this identity has been. A team that led the league, excuse me, a player that led the league in rushing last season, and Josh Jacobs. So I think that they want to be able to run the ball. I think that also sets up play action and takes a little bit of pressure off uh, Garoppolo and maybe. Uh, eliminate some of those turnovers, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to figure out how to run the ball and certainly spread the ball. I, I definitely use Hunter Renfro more. I think it's uh, a baffling situation that they haven't been throwing them the ball. Um, it's not like he hasn't been open because he has been. Uh, so I think that I think get get, get a, you know it's not it's not not working with Devontae. Like it's working every time they throw the ball, it works. <laughs> right. Uh, and J- Jacoby Myers has been good too, but I do think a little bit more spreading it around. Um, threaten down the middle of the field with Renfro and with the tight ends, at least have that as a possibility, um, and run the ball a little bit, and I think I think they'll be okay. Like I don't I don't think it's a disaster offensively by any stretch. No, I don't either. I just know that they're coming up against the Chargers, and they haven't scored over twenty points yet in one game. And the Chargers can score. They might not be able to finish games, but they can score. So the Raiders are going to have to yeah. be able to score on Sunday, one yeah. way or the other. In the league, you know, in the league, you you don't win too many games under twenty points a game. You just don't. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> and uh, and by the way, uh, going back, if you think Brandon Staley made the wrong decision, I don't know what to tell you. It was the right decision. I don't know the defense on the other side. Other than the only thing I can think is on the other side is, hey, when I was growing up, people punted on fourth down. <laughs> well, guess what? It was stupid then. It'd be stupid now. And if you also look at, at results, you're like, well, it didn't work out. Well, first of all, it did. They won, if you want to be very simplistic and dumb about it. Um, but it's it's the right decision. It's a, decisions are right or wrong based on the decision, not the result of the decision. And, and all analytics can do is tell you what the most optimal thing to do is. It can't guarantee outcomes by any stretch. It was, it's, it'd be indefensible to punt the ball in that situation. And, I, and I, I will stand by that forever, and Brandon Staley will too. And by the way, for those that think it's foolish or silly or this is a dumb coach, who invented what Brandon Staley did on Sunday? I think you know the answer to this, Q. It's Bill Belichick, <laughs> who has done it multiple times. Right. This was a Phil Belichick move. Going for it on fourth down in your own territory with the lead to put the game away is a Bill Belichick invention. And he has done it multiple times because it's the right thing to do. Well, I'll tell you what. I wish that Josh McDaniels had followed the Bill Belichick thing and uh, done it on fourth down, fourth and what, four, and gone for the first down or the touchdown instead of kicked that field goal at the end of the game. I would have been all aboard with that, that's for sure. But we know how it shook out. You can't change things up now. Well, Adam, fantastic stuff as always, my man. I love the breakdowns. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I wrote a little something up just on what we were talking about, kind of uh, forcing the turnovers and nice. uh, how, how they can get that done, how they can make that happen. And uh, pretty fun little project on Sunday. I spent time after the Buffalo game at John Carroll University in Cleveland. Nice. Uh, which is home to not only Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, Jerry, Pick- Jerry Shapinski, the tight end coach, uh, but also Tom Telesco. And uh, it was where Brandon Staley started his coaching career as well. So a lot of ties on both sidelines. John Carroll hung out there last week and uh, write a little bit about that. Nice. I'll definitely be looking out for that. That looks like a, uh, or sounds like a hell of a piece. So good stuff as always. Are you on Cofield and Company today or are you, you off? I am not. I'm actually pulling into an interview with Francis Ngannou right now. Nice. There you go. Hey, the heavy hitters right there, man. You got all the heavy hitters coming. I like that. Well, uh, keep up the great work, man. I definitely appreciate you. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Sounds good. Talk to you soon.
Yes, sir. There he goes. Fantastic work. He's a man of many talents right there. Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas and very adamant about the move that Brandon Staley made that he was good with it. I think a lot of Raider Nation would be upset if they saw Josh McDaniels go for it on fourth and one from the their own 24-yard line. You know, the Chargers gave the Vikings a chance to win that game, and Minnesota couldn't capitalize. But, uh, again, he's talking about the analytics side of things, and Adam loves to deep dive when it comes to analytics. 2.47 is the time. We'll quickly uh, take a break, come back. Got a lot of calls that are lined up. We'll get to you, some text, and more here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll hear from Mad Max Crosby in the Raiders locker room following the game on Sunday. Got to get some of this locker room sound in, kind of put a bow on this game. Sunday night football, the Raiders lose to the Steelers 23-18. Many thanks to Adam Hill. Fantastic stuff, man. Joined us in the last segment, really broke it on the way down. And again, I like hearing from Adam because he's not talking through silver and black lenses. He's keeping it all the way real and giving you what he believes, and that's what I could appreciate. So many thanks to Adam for joining us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Tim in Texas has been patiently waiting. Tim, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? How you guys doing? We're blessed. How are you, Tim? Um, okay, my thing is with the Raiders right now is the, the, the running game ain't where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't, I really don't too much care for the way Josh McDaniel has been calling the games and stuff, even from last year. Uh, I can't really just really blame the game on him this past Sunday. Uh, Jimmy G threw some, some crazy, stupid interceptions. I mean, that, I mean that the, the two interceptions that, that I seen him throw, that, I mean, he, was, he threw it right to the dude. And one of them, I mean, he had plenty of time to, uh, you know, survey or do whatever, kind of, almost do whatever he wanted to do. Now, uh, as far as the field goal goes, um, I kind of understand what he was, what Josh McDaniels was thinking, but at the same time, the offense wasn't doing good enough for him not to go for it, not to go for it at that time. But uh, and I love Devontae Adams. I think I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Period. But uh, the game is supposed to be sold. It's not supposed to be told. If he's going to get up there in front of the media and say what he says, he needs to say what he really means. He needs to, he needs to uh, because what he really wants to say is he, he really, he's really talking about the quarterback. That's what he's really talking about. And if he's going to, if he's going to sit up there and say that, he need, that's what he needs to say what he really means. That's, my only thing is if you're not going to say what you really mean, then don't say nothing at all. Okay. Hey, good stuff, Tim. Thank you for the call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, I don't like to dip, deep uh, deep dive too much into, you know, like trying to – I don't know the best way to put this uh, – trying to analyze what, uh, you know, like the, the, the other layers to what different players are saying in the locker room or whatever they have to say and, and trying to extra analyze it because uh, sometimes I feel like you get, you know, caught up and, and, and you may – interpret the wrong thing but I understand where you're coming from like I, t- I totally understand where you're coming from and that you know you want you want it just to be out there you know where it's it's black and white the thing I'll say is is that something that's a possibility if it's if it's out there black and white and it's and and say what you're saying is absolutely correct does that ruin things moving forward right does that does that make things worse? Does that help the situation? Sometimes you just can't speak on something because that you know that situation is going to be worse as far as I'm concerned. 
So, I mean, it's, I think it's a very fine line. I totally get what you're saying, but I think it's a fine line to what you choose to say and what you don't, don't choose to say just because you want to make sure that you protect the situation. I mean, look, these guys are three games into a long season. <laughs> it's 18 weeks, 17 games at least, right? You try to earn more than that, but uh, it could be a very long season if, you know, things all of a sudden start to, start to come unraveled right at this point of things. But, uh, Tim, thanks for the call. Do appreciate you. we got some more very patient listeners. We'll get to your calls, plus we'll get to Max Crosby on the other side. This is Ray Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.